It's heartening to see so many strange new faces here today. I know my mom would be very touched and probably a little suspicious. My mother was a very secretive and private woman. Hello and welcome to the Weekly Real Podcast. My name is Ken. And my name is Jeremy. And uh, this week we are kicking off Halloween week with a mysterious and intense horror film called Hereditary. But before we get into Hereditary, let's introduce our very special guest. She is an artist, a painter, podcaster, social media influencer. Uh, Am I forgetting anything, Andrea? Yeah, you forgot a dog mom, superhero, garden, green thumb lady. Oh, garden, green thumb lady. Ah, yeah, that's a new one. That. That's really good. <laughs> yeah, I have an avocado growing, so Ooh. nothing much. So we're coming over for guac, right, uh, Jeremy? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'll bring the chips all the way from Napa Valley, I guess. Uh, maybe in like five years. It's really small. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess it's more of a, uh, I guess a taste test. A little uh, sampler. <laughs> I don't. If you could do something with leaves, maybe, but there's not going to be an avocado for like ten years. <laughs> wow. Oh, okay. We we can wait. I I love avocados. It's. I feel like avocados are worth the wait. Okay. Perfect. I'll set the date in my calendar. Ah, uh, so Californian. <laughs> <laughs> avocado toast. Out of uh, all the little labels that Ken mentioned, do you are you like most proud of? one specifically is it the dog Um, mom oh yes definitely he is amazing 12 years old he has like an a plus in manners not really but (laughs) (laughs) what is your dog uh dog's name again uh you can find him on instagram at taylor the brown dog (laughs) at taylor the brown dog and you know what uh he'll have more followers than the weekly reel and me. I think he does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But what we're going to see, let's see if we could get his uh, follower count, uh, I guess, double, right? We'll see. <laughs> well, <laughs> again, <be> thank, <laughs> well, again, thank you so much for uh, joining the podcast, Andrea. Uh, you are our first guest since, guest since the end of season one. And so feel special about that. I definitely feel special. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much for the invite. Oh, for sure. For sure. And so let's get right into our podcast ritual, shall we? And so, um, you know, just as a reminder, Andrea, this is where, you know, Jeremy and I like to share what we've been watching within the last week. And so we generally mention TV shows or movies. And so uh, let's get Jeremy to kind of warm things up a little bit with the podcast ritual. Uh, What's one that you would like to highlight for this episode? All right, so I did watch an oldie but a goodie uh, that I've never seen before, and I saw it for the first time. It's John Carpenter's The Thing with Whoa. Kurt Russell. That Whoa. was a freaky movie, man. Uh, just the monster effects in that movie. It is relatively old. Was that 82 or is that 87? I forgot. Yeah, that was in the 80s for sure. I don't know exactly when, though. It's either 82 or 87. I kind of forgot. Uh, it's but 82. Yeah, 
82. Okay. <laughs> Apparently, Andrea knows more than. <laughs> no, about I the just looked it up. So. I've never watched it. <laughs> She's quicker than I am with the, uh, the references <laughs> or the mm. research. <laughs> if you haven't seen that movie before, but want to see like some freaky monster stuff, uh, it's not really scary in a sense. There's like jump scares everywhere, but it's more like icky monster suspense type of movie. And obviously it's Kurt Russell, so you can't really go wrong. Oh, cool. So something that I started watching the other day, I didn't get to finish it. I saw like an ad for it, not an ad, like someone was talking about it on TikTok. It's called Paradise Hills. It's a 2019 thriller sci-fi movie with Aquafina and Emma Roberts. Yeah, it was very weird. I started it. I really liked it. I'm halfway through. I guess I would recommend it. So the story kind of goes, there's a whole bunch of young women in like this paradise where they're set to like rehabilitate. Um, Emma Roberts is like the main character and she wakes up not remembering anything. So I'm like, I'm going to leave it at that. Ooh, yeah, on Netflix. Oh, it's on Netflix. Okay, yes. well, you, uh, you read my mind. I was going to ask you, where can we stream it? <laughs> yes, Netflix. So I was like, okay, I'll get back into it later this week. Wait, did it just get uh, released? No, but it, it's a 2019 movie and oh, no one's ever talked about it. So I was like, oh, very down low. Yeah, it has a 5.4 on IMDb. Ooh, might be a, a hidden gem possibly. I know some 5.4 movies on IMDb that I like. Mostly Jean-Claude Van Damme, but you know, it is what it is. <laughs> some Arnold, like especially late Arnold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. I'm looking at Maggie over there. Anyway. Well, for me, um, I think I actually mentioned this offline to Andrea, like uh, randomly on uh, maybe at work or something like that. But the the TV show that I want to share, because, you know, more of the TV guy, I've actually been watching this show over the last several weeks. And it's um, surprise, surprise. It's a show that's on network TV, which is weird for me. I'm sharing Young Sheldon. And, you know, I, I did watch a good amount of Big Bang Theory, probably eight or nine seasons. I forget how much it, before it got really, really repetitive. But I think I watched enough of those episodes where, you know, I was able to pick up on a lot of his uh, Sheldon's idiosyncrasies. And so uh, a few of my friends had been wanting me to watch that show. And I guess right after season two of the uh, the podcast, I was really in the mood for just watching, I guess, you know, like some family friendly uh, comedies, you know, something a little bit less intense, I should say. I just wanted to just chill, watch sitcom. And it's a different type of sitcom than Big Bang Theory. I feel like it's better made. I feel like it's a better show than Big Bang Theory. But I know that without Big Bang Theory, Young Sheldon doesn't exist. So I... I do recognize that. And I'm also trying to catch up with the current season, which is season five. I'm like midway through season three, which is actually pretty impressive for me because that there is a lot, there are a lot of episodes, but they're all short 20 minute episodes. So um, I recommend the show. Um, well, I, I would be lying if I said I was going to check it out. Cause I'm every time I saw like clips of big bang theory, uh, I don't know. It just didn't vibe with me. It's completely different than uh, Big Bang Theory, but you need to watch a little bit of it to kind of get some of the inside jokes. So that's the caveat. 
Yeah. Uh, but uh, Young Sheldon, I feel it's got a better overall feel because it's not a sitcom per se. It's dramedy, uh-huh. sort of. I see. I see. Yeah. And it's streaming on HBO Max. Still not, not sponsored. Yeah. <laughs> Still not sponsored. Well, Jeremy, let's, um, I guess, do a little bit of episode cleanup. Uh, so last week we discussed uh, Daniel Craig's final Bond film, No Time to Die, which was episode 43. And so, Jeremy, do you want to reveal what the poll was and what the results were? Yeah. So some of the polls or the poll that we ran on our social media was actually, what was your favorite Daniel Craig Bond movie? So uh, I think we mostly just put out literally the best ones. So you could choose from like Casino Royale, No Time to Die, uh, Skyfall. Did you, was there another one? I forgot. No, it was literally all five. All five. Okay. never mind. Just all five of them. Then you got Quantum of Solace and then uh, Spectre. Spectre. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So with uh, kind of a, not really upset or anything, but at 50 per, 57% Quantum of Solace. I'm just kidding. It's Casino Royale. No one would choose. No one voted for Quantum. Although I did start it the other day. The beginning's (laughs) not bad. It's not bad, dude. Like (laughs) it's a pretty thrilling opening, but yeah, it's not gonna. I I was actually rewatching Spectre. I'm like, hey, this isn't actually that bad when you compare it to Quantum. (laughs) Did you uh, did you like any of the Daniel Craig Bond films, Andrea? Um, yeah. <laughs> the one with Adele, right? Yeah, the one with Adele. That's the one, the most memorable one. Yeah, that song, uh, though. The one with the gun and uh, the girl and, you know. Mm. I mm. love Daniel Craig. <laughs> I mean, who doesn't love Daniel Craig? I know. Daniel okay. Craig, arguably the best Bond. And so if you do want to vote into, <laughs> if you do want to vote uh, on our weekly real polls, we actually run them every week. Uh, it's every Tuesday following uh, our main show. And we run those polls on Instagram and Twitter. And so, Jeremy, what is our handles? It's going to be at Weekly Real. And like you said, on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Yes, but sir. no polls on Facebook, actually. Yeah no, fa- yeah, no polls on Facebook, just Instagram and Twitter at Weekly Real. And so... This week, uh, we will be talking about a movie where a family experiences a horrific tragedy, and that triggers some very disturbing and supernatural events in Ari Aster's 2018 horror film, Hereditary. And so, just as we normally do on a weekly basis, we will be uh, giving our spoiler warning, because we will be talking about specific spoilers. We're going to be dissecting this movie, uh, but... Feel free to re-watch it if you've already seen it or watch it. It's currently streaming now on Showtime. Or you can um, rent it, and it's available in the usual spots like Amazon, Apple, and Redbox. And so, guys, let's get right into the double feature for Hereditary. And so a quick reminder for the double feature, during this segment, I have a topic question related to uh, the movie Hereditary. And uh, I'll be asking both Jeremy and Andrea my question Uh, The kicker is they actually don't know what I'm going to be asking. And then, you know what? Jeremy has a question for both Andrea and I. And so to kick off my half of the double feature, here's my, I guess, topic. And so Hereditary uses a lot of, 
I guess sound design, you know, like the tense music, droning sounds, various sound effects, uh, like, you know, the writing on the notebook. Hmm. It was Charlie's notebook, right? Yeah, yeah. That was freaky. Yep. And then that chalkboard uh, from uh, Joan's grandson, I guess. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And obviously, Charlie's clicking sounds. I'm like, oh, that's so crazy. Uh, But... I guess Ari Aster uses a lot of sound design to kind of build tension through throughout the movie. But likewise, there's a lot of disturbing imagery. You know, there's crazy visuals. You know, Charlie's head, obviously, once she gets decapitated. That's crazy. I didn't realize that Jeez. they would show it. Ugh. Uh, the bugs all over Peter's body during that one dream sequence. Uh, the... Remember when Peter was possessed in the classroom? Dude, there were yeah, so many. Yeah, there was a lot. There was too, probably too many. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I guess my question to you both, and you know, we'll start with Jeremy, just to get Andrea a little bit acclimated to the double feature. Uh, so Jeremy, which aspect of Hereditary made things more intense for you? The sound design or the crazy visuals? Mm. Oh, shoot. Okay, so... Horror is really hard to get right, I've, and people are screaming at me apparently for you know <laughs> thinking about things. Um, as I was saying, I think sound is more important, honestly, uh, to really freaking me out. That uh, the visuals I can take. There were some really disturbing visuals in the movie, but when you can get sound and you literally go about your day and you hear stuff. Uh, from the movie i think that's what freaks me out the most just little things because what you can't see is what uh you're the really the most afraid of yeah i mean there are times when uh i guess the droning sounds were just really enough to just kind of get your uh i guess your blood pumping your blood pressure like sky high it was just pretty nuts I do have to mention, though, that the editing is, like, a bit freaky as well. It's, like, so jarring, but it works in the the theme of the movie. Well, what do you think, Andrea? Like, uh, if you had to pick between uh, the sound or, I guess, the, the visuals, which do you think contributed more for the, I guess, intense feeling that you got during watching the film? Yeah, for me, I think definitely it was the visuals so complete opposite um there is a scene that i was going to bring up later on that was just like oh my gosh but um i think especially with like the small houses that the mom was working on and like not just houses but like all these different rooms and um like moments in time right so that was kind of intense and how she really internalized her feelings and put herself back you know yeah um so just looking at it from an outside perspective on her end so that was really interesting to me yeah it didn't help that the room that all the uh i guess these uh i guess models i guess the you know the small uh different scenes that she was creating was in a really creepy dark room Definitely. And um, especially how her mom, the grandma, she had a little figurine for her and she would just pop up out of nowhere. And I, 
I would just keep an eye out, like, oh, where's she going to be next? Does that mean she's alive? Does that mean... Yeah, they were really true to life. Uh, Mm -hmm. The one that got me was when uh, when, uh, Annie created the accident, the scene of the accident with the telephone pole, the Mm -hmm. car, and then the decapitated head of of her daughter. I'm like, wow, that is really freaky. Mm. You know what's foreshadowing, though, when freaking Charlie snips off the bird's head? I was Mm. like... This is definitely going to be something. I didn't know it was going to be her head that's going to come off, but you know. <laughs> yes. I didn't catch that the first time I watched it. But this time yeah. I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah, I caught it after the fact because then while the movie was going, I, was, I remember kind of like as the movie was going, I was like, oh yeah, what Jeremy said. That definitely foreshadowed that and the uh, telephone pole that, that um, Peter drives by on the way to the party mm-hmm. with the little emblem. I don't know if you guys caught that. Yeah. I, mm, I might need to go back and see that actually. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Obviously we go back to that telephone pole a couple times. So it was pretty freaky. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I would be the uh, tiebreaker, huh? Between sound and, uh, and visuals. And yeah. so, Ooh, should I side with the guest or should I side with my uh, tag team partner? Listen mm. to your heart, man. Yeah. <laughs> sounds wink, like a uh, sounds like a song actually. <laughs> like a boy band song. Anyway. Uh man, if I had to go uh man, I think Jeremy knows where I'm going. I'm, I think I have to go through sound. Sorry Andrea. I don't mean to I don't mean to pick against you, but for me it's make sound, a podcast, so. It's understandable. <laughs> yeah. For me the sound I I don't know. I feel like um especially in recent years when I've been I guess dissecting movies a little bit more closely i've noticed that sound comes into play a a lot more with uh with adding tension to some of these type of movies uh one that comes to mind from a24 coincidentally was that adam sandler film uh uncut gems they use sound uh in such a way similarly to how ari aster uses it in a way to just build tension like it's just a feeling of uneasiness throughout the movie that I feel because of the combinations of sounds and droning that come together. And then the crazy, like, Oh my goodness. I don't know. It's just, it, it just freaks me out, especially with it in conjunction with the dark visuals and everything. So for me, I'm more of a sound person, which is weird watching movies. I don't know. Mm, I mean, just to be on uh, Andrea's side, just a, just a bit, uh, to be fair, everyone did look kind of freaky in this movie, <laughs> honestly. Like, why does everyone look so weird? And that does not help the the ease factor of the movie. Yeah. And you know what? They didn't look so hot when things were okay. I know they were uh, coming off the heels of uh, Grandma Ellen's, uh, I guess, funeral. But man, as the movie went on, dude, they just looked more and more haggard and just more downtrodden. It looked, it just made it even worse. And I felt like the movie even got darker as it went along until obviously the crazy ending. Yeah, yeah. Dude, uh, my question though for you, for you two, is actually kind of similar to what Ken um, was kind of talking about. I wanted to ask you two, uh, what freaks you out the most? The paranormal aspects of the movie, kind of like uh, like at the end when um, 
the mom Annie's body's like like floating around and all that stuff and just weird stuff's happening, right? Like freaking hallucinations. Or was it more realistic stuff? You know, like like the the nightmares, the dreams, the sleepwalking. What stuff kinda like freaked you guys uh out more? The paranormal stuff or the more realistic stuff? I guess for me, it'd be the uh, more paranormal stuff. Uh, I feel like that's where the movie kicked it to another level, uh, starting with the seance uh, seances at uh, at Joan's place, and especially later on when they did the family uh, seance. I don't know. That stuff still freaks me out even to this day. Uh, I know that uh, what's that crazy movie? Like, oh, my goodness, I'm blanking with... Is it a horror movie? Yeah, the it's. Oh my goodness! The Conjuring. What happens? <laughs> no, it's the it's the classic. Hold on. Oh. Uh. The Exorcist. The Exorcist. Thank you. Thank you. Stuff like that freaks me out. Regardless, I, I don't know if it's because you know being uh just having a religious background with you know, just how I was raised and seeing a lot of the kind of devil worship and being possessed and stuff. I feel like that stuff still gets to me all the time. And when they were kind of doing that sort of thing and uh, they were trying to communicate with the dead, you know, that stuff or Ouija board stuff, I don't know. It still freaks me out. So. Hmm. How about you, Andrea? Did you, are you more freaked about like the demon stuff like Ken? Um, so, you know, I kind of think that they kind of tie in together because in real life people do worship that stuff and like on a normal basis, but, um, which kind of ties in, well, not really, but I side more on the realistic end because of the things that go on in your head. That's what you have to live with every day. So like, um, mom's nightmares and like PTSD and going to like, their those meetings that she was going to as well and like going into parking lots and not knowing what's around you mm. especially like when the son i forget everyone's now name peter? suddenly peter. when yeah. when peter was going to that party and you know he was like high on something and but he still decided to take charlie with him and she's allergic to nuts like that's a big fear too yeah. Mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. right so that's something you forget at the beginning so and he wasn't aware that this accident could happen sorry if i'm gonna touch over whatever you're gonna talk about later on but that scene definitely was like a realistic kind of fear that could happen how do you come up with that <laughs> yeah, yeah just to kind of add to that um you know, with uh, when obviously Charlie dies in the manner that she did, I really felt <laughs> the uh, I really felt the the anguish from Annie when she was crying. I was like, "Dang, yeah. that's oof, that was that was rough to, to to kind of sit through because you know you know you try to put yourself in her position, you know, as a as a potential dad or mom or I know none of us are parents currently, but. I mean, I'm sure we could put ourselves in, in her shoes, you know, losing one of your kids or whatever, especially in that, I guess, graphic manner. That is just, oh, yeah. man, that was tough. Uh, if I had to, like, if 
answer my, answering my own question real quick, I would probably go with uh, um, the more realistic stuff too, like the sleepwalking, because like, like Andrea said, it is a lot of the scariest stuff is like in your own head, like the trauma, um, especially just like when they were hearing Charlie around the house or in the car. That's like super realistic stuff that it's like you would probably experience that after losing a, a loved one in a tragic accident like that. Yeah. Man, I guess I lost that one. Dang it. It's all good, dude. But uh, I did want to ask a really follow-up, a uh, really short follow-up question, though, because since we've been talking about it, I want to know what was your um, first reaction to when Charlie died. Because <laughs> I was just, I was literally here sitting at my desk watching the movie, and, <laughs> you know, just I normally don't react uh, when I'm watching movies, I'm usually pretty stoic. And then when her head hit the pole, I was like, oh, damn. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, gee, what the hell is happening in this movie? I, I literally was like, uh, I was so surprised that I started laughing. <laughs> <laughs> Andrea, you want to take this one first? Um, so this was my second time around watching it. But um, when I first watched it, Maybe when it first came out, I was so scared. I was like, what just happened? What is, is she going to start moving? That was my, because mm. it was a scary movie, you know, but it, that didn't happen. So I was like, oh my God, we had to rewind because I was like, what did that, where is it? <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, you know, it helped though, um, sink in because remember for like the next two or three minutes, you're just like, just focused on a really close up of of uh of Peter and mm -hmm. you're like oh my goodness did, did that just really happen because you just hear the sickening thud and i was like holy what and then the complete it, silence afterwards yeah yeah Mm -hmm. yeah. I feel like i was exactly like Peter in that moment it's like you're just reacting like him like what the what just happened like did yeah. did did something just happen like I think it happened or hopefully is he hopefully she's still alive back there you know I feel like I was cheated in not knowing about this film three years ago because I would love to be able I would have loved to I guess time travel back to 2018 and watch it in theaters to get a full theaters like reaction to that scene mm, for sure you know we would have gone that guy oh damn yeah <laughs> They're like, oh, yeah, yeah it, it, would, it would probably be like, oh, my goodness. And then a lot of laughter probably uh, to kind of ease everyone's like nerves afterwards. Yeah, for sure, dude. That that scene. Ugh. Yeah, that was pretty crazy. But uh, you know what? Let's get into our audience question. And, you know, we've been talking about hereditary and, you know, it's like we mentioned at the top, it's uh, kind of a modern horror film and so this week's audience question that we do want to uh put out there for our uh listening audience is what is your favorite horror film from the last decade and actually uh andrea do you have a favorite horror film from uh the last decade 2011 and up until now um let's see something that really stood up to me stood out to me in most recent years was us Mm. Ooh, that was a good one. You know, one. the one, that family, they go out to Santa Cruz. No spoilers, I guess, but ah, 
I did not expect that. Yeah, us. that was that was a good one. <laughs> it, have you seen scared. us, um, Jeremy? Yeah, I saw it in theaters. That was a freaky one too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. We don't want to spoil it, but if you guys want to check it out, I, I think it's a good, solid recommend. Yeah, you want to give us one of your favorite horror, horror uh, films from the last decade? I don't. Wa- yeah, I don't watch too many horror movies, but the The Conjuring what came out in twenty eleven, <laughs> so it's still twenty thirteen. 2013, okay. Yeah, I think The Conjuring is still one that freaks me out. Yeah, I think I agree with you. Uh, and I, th- I feel like that's because I have, haven't really watched that many. Uh, Midsommar is pretty uh, disturbing as well. I mean, it is another Ari Aster movie. It was, I guess, his follow-up to Hereditary. So just in the interest of providing a little variety, I'll say Midsommar. That was, oh, that was disturbing. Um mm. The imagery was pretty crazy. It's even worse than I think than Hereditary. Definitely check it out, um, Jeremy, if you haven't. I think Andrea, you've seen it, right? Yeah, I have. That one was really good. I wouldn't really count it as like a horror. Horror. Yeah. yeah I. I'd, I'd say like a day in the life of. <laughs> <laughs> it's, Slice of life. It, yeah, it, it's yeah. it's hard to describe, right? It that type of movie, like when you actually watch, it's like. Uh, how do you describe the movie? I'm like, yeah, I don't know. It's definitely its own genre. I think so. Yeah. But yeah, if you do want to chime in on your favorite horror film uh, within the last decade, definitely, um, I guess, tweet us at Weekly Real. And uh, if you want to give us more long-winded answer, you can email us. Uh, Jeremy, what is our email address? Oh, uh, I got it this time. I wrote it down. Weekly Real Pod at SFU sfsu.edu oh there you go right almost almost (laughs) gators uh but that is not correct oh you almost got there though i mean i think you writing it down actually did help or maybe even andrea just being here almost you know i feel like almost got you there so the real answer is weekly real pod at gmail.com so Jeremy, Andrea, let's take a quick break. All right, welcome back from the break, and we're going to jump into the weekly real awards. And actually, we have a new award this week the Language Award for Holy Shit Moment. <laughs> <laughs> and that's going to be specifically from, I mean, uh, Captain America didn't say holy shit. He actually said language uh, in Avengers Age of Ultron. So basically, it's like the whatever kind of surprising moment of the movie uh, that you want to kind of highlight. So, uh, Andrea, do you want to highlight anything that was super surprising to you? Yes. So the first time I watched the movie, I didn't notice this. Um, but when all the naked people showed up. <laughs> naked people scary I was, yes it was so strange and i was wondering why are they naked i had to do my research and I had to do something about like the holiness or cleanliness to summon paimon or whatever like that mm. mm-hmm. i didn't do my research very well but that was definitely my holy shit moment <laughs> no that was a that was a crazy one because uh it I don't know. It came out of nowhere, just like you said. Um, I don't know if you noticed, but uh, the f- 
first time that Peter went up to the attic. Um, he was looking around, but there's this back corner. There was like two or three people there. Mm -hmm. I was like, how did they get there? How did no one notice them getting into the house? That was so strange. I mean, he was knocked out, but it was like, why? Yeah, it's just right. freaky visuals when mm -hmm. peop naked people, like very pale naked people are in your home. Mm -hmm. So... <laughs> but I, I went first. <laughs> that, it's not like you're getting uh, Edward Cullen in your home or anything. It's like r the really disturbing like look <laughs> that you don't want. Yeah, that was uh, that was pretty freaky. That really did come out of nowhere. Um, like the RKO. I sorry for the WWE reference. I I'm guessing you don't really watch wrestling, but had to throw it in there. Uh, but um, yeah, I don't know. I see. I guess my question for that scene would be: Was that in Peter's head as he was transit uh, transitioning into becoming Paimon, or was? Were those people actually there? I think they were actually there. Oh, shoot. Because if you, um, hmm. those were the followers of grandma. Right. Right. And because um, they all believe she's Paimon or something. Um, and then in the other small house, like that small tree house, they were all there too. Mm -hmm. They just popped up out of nowhere. So, of course, the Paimon needs henchmen to bring all these bodies around, you know. Yeah. yeah see i was thinking like i was questioning the same thing pretty much because i'm like are these people real are these like descendants of the grandma and all that stuff or uh but it makes sense now when you kind of mentioned like she would have like followers or paimon has followers and um what joanne or something would have like be one of the followers so if you take it from a more realistic approach where they're actually there which would be pretty surprising because they're pretty good at sneaking around. <laughs> um, that yeah, that would be that's still super freaky either way. Yeah, cult members like ninjas, I guess. Apparently, naked ninjas. Yeah, <laughs> you have to be very uh, unattractive and very quiet. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, for me, um, I guess my holy shit moment's kind of an obvious one. Ah. Uh, the language award winner has to be when um, Charlie lost her head just mm. because I was like, uh Oh, what is going on? What is going on? Cause you know, obviously I thought she was just going to like die and then maybe like a spirit might come out at worse, but I didn't realize they were going to go with the visuals uh, of, you know, like her sticking out her head and actually it running into that telephone pole. And then that sickening thud. Oh my God. I could still hear it actually in my head. Um, and I think I mentioned it earlier with that telephone pole as, as, um, as Peter was driving, it, it's pretty cool that they foreshadowed that scene beforehand. And obviously they set up, I feel like Ari Aster set up that scene perfectly with establishing that Charlie had a nut allergy in the funeral and everything and her eating that cake. And I was like, oh, when she was eating that cake, I was like, oh, there's probably nuts yeah. on this in this. Yep. And I just thought it was great breadcrumb, uh, like movie telling, filmmaking. Ah, it was so good all the way around. See, I still don't know why she had to stick out like her whole body out the window. I know she's like gasping for air, but damn, like she like threw her whole, like whole body out there. 
I feel like she like the spirit of Paimon was already in her body. Mm. But remember, Paimon or Paimon, I don't know how to say her name, his name. He was looking for a male body. And I feel like uh, when he had access to Peter or when he was in close proximity to Peter, I think that was his way of being able to like leave Charlie's body and try to transition into get uh i guess taking over peter's body that's just mm. my take on it i see i see um i don't know if you noticed this but at the end um so peter fell out the window yeah. and the his shadow drifted away this small blue light was actually charlie mm-hmm. yeah paimon was charlie this whole time yeah. Did you know? Yeah. That? Yes. Yeah. Oh, so yeah, it was actually Charlie inside Peter's body. Yeah. Because well, he she he did that click. Yeah. Oh yeah, that one little click before going up the ladder. Yeah. Before floating. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> Wild. I don't know, man. That ending. Ah, she. That ending. Uh, for me, uh, for the language award, I would probably pick when um, Annie. You know, she's chasing peter around the house and in the attic and then you just hear like this scraping sound and that's where the visuals and the the audio get you the most at least in my opinion because you hear this this crunching scratching noise and then once he like slowly looks up and literally sees his mom cutting off her head with like wire or like some type of rope and then from like it being like pretty steady, like back and forth to like super super fast. I'm like God. I was that was the, probably the most sickening visual I saw out of the movie. Honestly, wait, was that was that the mom or was that the uh, the grandma? I think it was the mom. Oh, it was, was the mom? Okay, yeah. okay. <laughs> Grandma's head was already gone in the yeah. attic. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. Sorry, I forgot. <laughs> Yeah, that's why at the end you see the two bodies kind of bowing. Is the grandma and the mom both with their heads headless? Cut off. Yeah, yeah. Jeez, that was nuts to me. Do you remember when Peter first woke up and then uh, in the dark corner, mom just crawls out the door? Oh, oh, oh my gosh! Oh my goodness! Or even the uh, that uh, focus rack uh, when uh, when Peter notices uh, his dad. Burnt to a crisp, and then like it's that <laughs> upshot, and oh then you God. see like her just floating. I was like, oh, she's in the freaking corner, like Batman or something. I'm like, yeah. What are you doing? Like, you think she's gonna jump at him, but she doesn't. Like, I'm like, when is it gonna happen? But then she was running real fast. Oh my gosh, yeah, that was freaky as hell. Uh, I'm gonna go to the next award just because I'm remembering all that stuff now. Uh, the I am Groot award for favorite character. And uh, I guess favorite character, you, like you don't have to like them necessarily, but th- maybe the one that you find the most interesting, or maybe someone you someone you were really uh, rooting for. So uh, Andrea, uh, did you have a favorite character in Hereditary? After thinking about this, someone that I admired was Joan. Hmm. You know, because she was really doing the most. 
she um, was like a big follower of Paymon, of Grandma, um, just showing up at those grief meetings and um, meeting, bumping into Annie at the grocery store. She's like, oh my God, how are you doing? And then she just like convinces her to go into this whole like demon summoning thing. It's like how <laughs> the, what what is that? Like attention to detail, the... Um, she just went for it. Yeah, yeah. I knew. I definitely knew I could not trust her. When she stopped Annie in front of the thing, I'm like, no no person in their right mind just stopped someone in their moving car. Right. And remember, she was, she was the one yelling, like, random words at, uh, at Peter when he was at school, like, from across the street. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. that was kind of freaky, too. That's commitment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that... If you want to be uh, committed to your demon lord, just... Follow what Joan did. Oh, I, I wrote down here, I said, the devil works hard, but Joan works harder. <laughs> <laughs> no arguments like... from me. <laughs> I know. She was basically Paymon, uh, Pyman's, uh, I don't even know how to say the name. It's all Pyman's, good, Yeah, Pyman's uh, number two, basically. Right-hand man, woman, mm-hmm. lady. For sure. Uh, for me, I actually will agree with you. Um, I got to give it to Joan, who was played by Ann Dowd for for slightly different reasons. Okay, so hmm. for me, Ann Dowd has been in a couple of my favorite TV shows. She had like kind of an extended cameo in season at the end of season one of True Detective. She played like this crazy like character. Uh, I don't even know how to describe her. Anyway, but the where I remember her most is as Patty Levin. In one of my favorite TV shows of all time, The Leftovers, I think I've mentioned it uh, uh, at least multiple times on this uh, on this podcast. So when I actually quickly saw her first, I don't know if you you recognized her, I guess, in that first, uh, I guess, support group meeting when they did a close up of Annie and then they kind of showed her perspective and then they showed like kind of like a a bunch of people kind of looking at her. She's actually off to the left. And the crazy part was, obviously, she wasn't centered within the shot. I recognized her, right? I was like, oh, it's Patty Levin. What the heck? Oh, I don't trust her at all. Because I already know how her character was in The Leftovers. And she kind of played the same character, which which was crazy cult lady. I was like, oh, she's going (laughs) to... And so when when the reveal was uh, with the photo album and then... Uh, they had Grandma Ellen with um, with Joan. I was like, oh, I knew it. And then obviously with her seance uh, with uh, with his with her grandson, I was like, oh, oh no, oh no, no, no. I I can't deal with uh, Patty Levin right now, uh, or Joan, I should say. But um, yeah, that's Dang. my winner. <laughs> that's a good one, man. She definitely uh, kicked up. She was the catalyst for kicking this movie up a notch for sure. Mm-hmm. She's the main character. (laughs) (laughs) Probably the the antagonist in Personified of the movie, pretty much. Uh, My favorite character, I actually would pick Peter. I I found his story the most interesting because he was the one in the car driving Charlie. Uh, He was, you know, basically responsible for getting her head knocked off. (laughs) Um, But at the same time, it's like... He was so in shock that he just left her body in the car, uh, still had to go to school, 
uh, still recovering from all that stuff. The, the, he went. I feel like he went through so much stuff in this movie, and the actor who plays him like did a really good job, except for maybe like the weird like cries that he did. Mommy, sometimes. mommy. <laughs> <laughs> I was dying, uh, but for the most part, I was like, "Dang, this this guy's going crazy over here." And uh, yeah, this this kid had to go through so much, and I was rooting for him. I really wanted him to escape at the end of the movie, and he he didn't make it. Hot take: I feel like the reason why they cast him, well, I, obviously, he probably blew away the screeners, right, for Ari Aster, for uh, for Peter. But I feel like they needed some sort of distinguishing facial f- facial feature, mm. and he had that mole. So remember that one scene where the the notebook was kind of drawing itself, yeah. and then it was drawing Peter, and then he, you could tell it was Peter because they had that giant mole right next to his <laughs> mouth. Right. I feel like that's the reason why they did that. But no, he did a really good job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, too bad he didn't make it. Uh, the next award I want to give out is the That Shield Doesn't Belong to You Award for Most Intense Scene. So this this movie is full of unease and suspense. So, Andrea, uh, what was your most intense scene to you? Right. So um, Ken mentioned this earlier when he was bringing up his first question for the uh, double feature. Um for the visuals, when mom was having her nightmare and going into Peter's room, because she had mentioned before that she had nightmares, but it was like, oh my gosh, this is really happening. Um, so there were all these ants, and then it kind of seemed like there was another dream going on in between that. And just strange. I'm, I don't really remember if this was part of the same dream or scene, but when... Peter had woken up because he was being choked and he woke up. He's like, mom, what are you doing? And then she just somehow somehow has um, some more oil or something in her hand. And it's like, oh, my God, you're going to kill me. Mm. Yeah. So that was, it was the paint, really. Was it the paint yeah, thinner? Think, oh, the paint thinner. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a really intense scene for me. I was like, oh, my God, they're, ha- they're having the same situation play out again. Right, yeah, because mm-hmm. they they made sure to tell that story about how she was sleepwalking mm-hmm. uh, while having those nightmares, and for them to kind of cover that again was pretty freaky. Because you got to you know you got to kind of visualize it when they were originally telling that or when they were having that dialogue, mm-hmm. but then when when you actually got to see it and you got to see Ari Aster's um, I guess vision for that scene, I was like, oh, mm-hmm. that was good. Mm. And when for- she flat out says like, oh, sorry. No, it's all good. Keep going. When she flat out says, I never wanted you. And I was like, wait, is this a dream? Yeah, that that freaking argument was intense. Any Mm -hmm. scene between her and the son, Mm -hmm. I was like, dang, this is, they hate each other. Yeah. Oh, I know. There was a a genuine disdain. And uh, man, they... Ooh, their their scenes together were always intense. And which made that one part when... Remember when... It seemed like Annie was like, oh, I forgive you. We're good. And then when he, she was trying to wake him up <laughs> for the seance, hell. I was like, oh, I was like, oh, she's kind of creepy right now. Right. Yeah. Was- yeah. She, yeah. Even when she was trying to be nice, like, something's not right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know. Because it, it, it's weird, too, because, you know, with Annie, I was like, was she really the protagonist? 
we didn't really get one other than uh, the husband. What was his name again? Sorry. I don't even remember. Side Steve? character. Steve. Oh, yeah. It, was Steve. it is Steve. Yeah. <laughs> husband. Husband. <laughs> husband. Uh, did you have a favorite uh, uh, most intense scene, Ken? Yeah, actually. You know what? I actually, I guess, um, not really stole my own thunder, but it's it's actually the scene that happens after Annie wakes up uh, uh peter peter in in that weird creepy way <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, i don't know i was thinking about steve i was like no steve's not the the right guy anyway it's that family seance scene um and mm. really more specifically right after the part where the count ca- uh the candle goes full-on olympic torch yeah yeah because <laughs> sh- like shortly after that that's when annie gets like possessed with um with charlie's thing and then remember she's all talking in charlie's voice dude that was freaky to me she's like char i I forgot what she was saying but she was like the way she was talking i was like oh my goodness and then at the same time charlie's like oh mom mom what's going on it's mommy mommy (laughs) he was like crying dude there was so much going on with the the sound and everything it was just so tense to me and then for it to kind of end in a uh kind of an original way where steve throws that water right in annie's uh, (laughs) face to kind of throw like i guess water on the whole scene i thought it was really well done yeah it was so intense yeah that was definitely an intense scene dude that was uh even though it was like basically taking place in during the day which most of the freaky scenes uh happened at night in the movie uh it was still freaky because it was like early morning and i was surprised like how freaky it got for the beginning of the day Mm -hmm. uh the winner i wanted to give out real quick i talked about it before it's just when peter's coming back home has the dead body in the back just leaves it there and i just felt so tense because i'm like what what do you do in that situation if you're peter what do you do like you have your dead little sister in the back do you go, hey, mom, wake up. Uh, Charlie's headless body's in the back of your car that I borrowed. So that was probably the most intense scene for me. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, that was actually the first thing I wanted to say for this one. But I was like, nah, I'll save it. I'll save it. <laughs> well, what did you think about that scene, Andrea? Um, Definitely the same feelings as Jeremy, I think. Just like, what do I do? What are you supposed to do? Like, was it right for him to leave her there and not tell anyone about it? Like, should he have called the police? But then would he be like manslaughter, you know? But also, it was an accident. But he's high. Mm. <laughs> he def- like, definitely, it was weird that he drove all the way home and then just went into bed is probably not the the best thing to do yeah it's the shock yeah it is the shock and he Definitely. was high he's like maybe I'm a, maybe it's a dream <laughs> yeah i know exactly well what what would you guys do if you were uh if you were peter oh you gotta call the police because you, you don't want to see your parents uh see that type of scene obviously um yeah, you would have to definitely call the police so that they just so your parents w- wouldn't see that 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 image. I <laughs> even if you were high, I think that's the I think the morally right thing to do. Maybe probably. 
I feel I, like Andrea has a different answer. <laughs> no, it's just, would I, in that moment, in that feeling, would I have the power to call the police and say, my sister's hat is gone, you know? <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? They're like, are you on drugs? <laughs> Yeah, that, obviously. <laughs> oh my goodness, that, that is so freaky though. But I mean, I think just because that emblem with the telephone poles there, I think with the added imagery of uh, the ants all over Charlie's head, <sighs> decapitated head, that yeah. was, ooh, that was tough to watch as well. Just when you mentioned the ants on Charlie's body, I thought of the scene with Peter's body mm-hmm. and the ants. Mm. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh! Click. I know. Even if it was a dream within a dream sequence. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. And that was Annie's dream, so maybe she was dreaming that Peter was Charlie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. It's like there was so much like trauma ba- that they basically like they don't know how to process all this stuff. Wow. All right, I'll jump into our favorite part of the episode. The guess of the Rotten Tomatoes score. So right now, me and Ken are actually tied at two apiece. And Andrea, this is your first time here on the show. And uh, I don't know if you've heard of this before, but we just guessed the Rotten Tomatoes score, specifically the critics, critics score. So you, I'll let you take a first stab at it. I guess basically for fun, maybe you can verse the other guests that are going to come on the show later this season. Uh, but basically, from zero to a hundred, what do you think the critics rated it? Uh, rated Hereditary out of a hundred. Well, I really wanted to look it up. I didn't, so I was like, "Oh my gosh, I wish I did," because I don't know how critics like score things. I myself would give it a ninety-six because it's a very original kind of genre it's an original feeling original scenes something i never would think about or have seen before and i feel like i watch a lot of movies so <laughs> it was really high up there um 96 it was lower i wanted to go to like 98 or 97 but mm. i was like oh actually maybe maybe it wasn't good maybe people didn't like it because of how weird it was you know but I, I was like, oh, but it was really good. So 96. So 96. Okay. Yeah. I just wanted to 96. make sure. Uh, yeah, me and Ken, we usually, like, we do put our scores, uh, we'd write down our scores before uh, we look up anything while we're just taking our little notes. So basically there's no advantage, no cheating on our end. Um, Ken, what was your guess? Um, you know what? I, I felt like I went a little high, but I guess not as high as Andrea. I'm going to go with 86. Mm, okay. Dude, <laughs> mine is actually 87. Oh. Because I didn't want to go as high as Andrea just because it's the horror genre. Super tough to get right. So I feel like critics would have scored it a bit lower. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, oh, I I guess it turned out that I was the lowest. I thought I was going high, but whatever. Let me see. I really want to (laughs) know. I know. I really want to know, too. Whoa, there's a big difference between the tomato and audience score. But the tomato meter is actually at 89%. Oh, damn it. So I get the score this weekend. 
Boo! No, I'm kidding. <laughs> hey, good job. <laughs> I'm the heel. Yeah. Hey, you know, Andre, we one of the few times we actually beat our our guests because in season one we actually I think lost all the weeks to our guests. Pretty much. I th- yeah, they showed us up every time. Yeah. I'll just come back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you gotta I'm redeem yourself, Andrea. <laughs> hey, no, but you—you you actually got pretty close. By like eight. Yeah, yeah. pretty close. I can't math. Was that good math? <laughs> yeah, uh, seven. Ah, so good. So close. Yeah. Uh, the the audience score though, surprisingly, sixty-eight percent. Mm. Really low compared to the critics' wow. scores. Yeah, I feel like audiences need that uh, popcorny type, like scare or mm. whatever story. I feel like this one is more of a uh, what do you call that? A slow burn. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're definitely like shots that linger very long, very like indie style. Mm-hmm. Type of I think that's what I appreciated about it. I actually liked uh, the way it was filmed. Yeah, I think if I was in a movie theater, I would be like, oh, what, what, what did I just watch? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for the last award, we're going to give our last award. It's going to be the I Love You 3000 award, uh, where we rate the movie from 1 to 3000. It's a bit, a bit of an odd uh, rating scale, and sometimes I forget, you know, how I rate my movies. But... <laughs> Andrea, do you have a little uh, score to give out of 3,000 for Hereditary? Okay, so I didn't think this would be too high, but I did. I did 2,763, but I just did the math and it was a 92%. And mm. I was like, Ooh. oh, okay. okay. <laughs> That's still kind of pretty high based on like what we just heard for the Rotten Tomatoes. But yeah, that was my score. I didn't want to go too high because it was like, well, I would have. I would say like, oh, this is really amazing. It was really good. But yeah, that's Fair my score. score. No, you were actually really close to the uh, Rotten Tomato score. You were only off by three percentage points. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Ken, cool. how about you? Okay, this is my newly honed rating system where I'm a little bit tougher on oh, movies. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so I, if you would ask me in season one or two, it would be like way higher. Uh, but... This is actually a really good score in this new um, scale. I'm giving it a 22.26, which is 74.2%. Uh, I really did like this movie. It's just like Jeremy was saying that, you know, horror is just not my favorite genre, but the visuals, the sound design, uh, the uh, cinematography was done really, really well. It's just, um, I don't know. I feel like there are certain things about uh you know Ari Aster it's like kind of hit or miss with some of the folksy stuff uh and I guess you'll see more of that when if, if and when you watch uh Midsommar um Jeremy if you watch Midsommar. yeah yeah I, I think I'll probably check it out at some point but I just remember you telling me when you watched the movie back way back when yeah. uh that you needed to shower after it was disturbing bro it was disturbing (laughs) i was like "Ah, i kind of want to stay at least clean for the next few years yeah Um, well it's it's streaming on prime right now prime video (laughs) for me uh i'm i am trying to be more strict like ken maybe not as strict but you know 
Uh, so I gave it a 2370 out of 3000, which is about 79%. I enjoyed it for sure. Uh, would I want to watch it again? Probably not. Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) I'm, but I'm glad I watched it to say that I watched it. Uh, just because the freaky stuff, I don't know if I can, well, it's like, oh yeah, I'm going to rewatch Hereditary again. Just like, well, you you can rewatch it every time it's, uh, like Halloween. I mean, you know, I, I tend to watch, uh, I guess, a few more scarier movies uh, during Halloween. So this is the month to do it, right? That's true. That's true. Maybe, but I got to continue my supernatural watching again. I haven't continued since, what, season one? <laughs> oh, shoot. Yeah. So a year? Yeah, pretty much. But I was feeling I was feeling those vibes. I'm like, where's the Winchester brothers to freaking burn Charlie? I don't know. Burn her body, burn her bones. You know, that's what you got to do. Uh, so, Ken, uh, what are we watching for next week? All right. So next week, uh, we meet a son of a noble family who is entrusted with the task of protecting the most precious resource in their galaxy in a, a sci-fi movie. It's a new adaptation of the 1965 Frank Herbert novel, Dune. And we're watching the new one, Dune 2021. And so this movie will be released in theaters and on HBO Max. I feel like this movie, though, is one of those movies that you definitely got to watch in theaters. Uh, If nothing else, the cast looks so unreal. And so um, I don't know. There's a chance that we might be getting a guest for next week as well. I'm still working on that. So we might be able to get a guest possibly two weeks in a row, but we'll see. Ooh, that would be nice. Because this movie, the trailers didn't look that good to me sometimes. But just like you said, the the cast is the one I'm looking out for. And the yeah. director, of course, too. Yeah. Andrea, are you uh, planning on watching Dune? Uh, I don't know. I have some mixed feelings about Timothy Chalamet. <laughs> Ooh. Okay. I feel like that's a conversation we we'll probably have to have <laughs> offline. <laughs> but Zendaya? <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, you ain't alone, sister. You ain't alone. <laughs> all right, all right. Yeah, we'll definitely have to watch that movie. I don't know how long it is, but I, I'm looking forward to going into it pretty fresh. So, uh, so uh, before we wrap up the show, is there anywhere that the people, if they want to follow you on the social medias, like the Instagrams or the Twitters, uh, Andrea, do, do you have any social medias that you want to share with the folks oh yeah so you can find me on instagram and twitter it is my full name andrea j pilapil that is p-i-l-a-p-i-l yes Uh, there you go yeah we'll we'll put all that information on our episode notes uh do you have anything actually upcoming any projects that you're kind of working on as well andrea yeah i have like a few passion projects um some paintings you can find that on my instagram as well i have like a side podcast that i do it's not a side podcast it's like something that i want it to be a big one day um i do that with my boyfriend right now um that's actually on our instagram as well it's pilapil x garcia the podcast is png podcast because you know png pilapil garcia um you can find that on youtube too so season two is in the works. 
There you go. And uh, we'll, we'll put the links up there for that as well. And uh, we'll definitely um, obviously help you promote. I mean, we got we to gotta collaborate. I mean, we already started this collaboration today. So uh, we definitely um, are appreciative. So we'll put all that information on the episode notes. Right, Jeremy? Mm-hmm. So uh, if you want to follow me also, it's also in the episode notes, at JP underscore Flicks on Twitter or Instagram. How about you, Ken? And for me, I have nothing really to plug, but you can follow me on uh, on Instagram and Twitter. I'm uh, pretty active on both uh, at free Ken A. And just like for both Andrea and Jeremy, the spelling will be in the notes. Uh, just like Ken mentioned earlier, thank you so much, Andrea, for for joining us on this show and literally uh, recommending this movie for the for this week pretty much i haven't seen the movie before i'm glad i saw it and uh yeah thank you so much for joining us i thought i scared everyone off in season one so thanks for jumping on oh yeah of course thank you so much again for having me i'm glad i could hear like what other people thought about this especially you guys from your first time watching it so again thank you so much for having me it's really fun yeah and and just like what we mentioned to other guests as well let us know if you want to join the pod um, on future movies. Uh, so we well, we like to in, uh, extend that uh, that invitation to all of our guests, especially if they're all valued, but definitely definitely because you're on right now. So we want to extend that to you. <laughs> uh, yeah, let me think about it. Yeah, definitely. I'll be back. <laughs> all right. That's all we like to hear. There we go. So thank you guys for listening. Thank you, uh, Andrea, once again for joining us and showing us this movie and we'll see you next time for dune on the reel <laughs>